Well, I am glad that the Christmas season is upon us. Um, and I'm glad Halloween's over, aren't you? I, rem- I, was, I was driving around, as many of you do in the city, and I was noticing before Halloween that all the decorations that were out and the, the ghouls and the goblins and uh, things that are really, really uh, creepy. And, uh, and, you know, it's sort of a celebration of the supernatural, Halloween. But it's the dark side of the supernatural. And during the season of Advent, Christmas season, we celebrate the supernatural birth of Jesus Christ, born of the Virgin Mary. And um, I love that season a lot more. And I, you know, I do believe in the supernatural. I believe in the miraculous. The question I want to ask you today is, do you believe in the supernatural? Do you believe that God still acts in supernatural ways, ways that are beyond the natural. Um, A lot of Christians today believe that, you know, when they read the Bible, they go, isn't that cool how God acted in the past? When you read the Old Testament, you see the miraculous. You know, you see Moses at the burning bush, and you see Moses parting the Red Sea, and and God does all kinds of amazing things that are recorded in both the Old and the New Testaments. But a lot of people think, well, God doesn't do that anymore. And, um, you know, God used to speak to people um, in, in some very real ways, but God doesn't speak to that like that anymore to us. He stopped doing that. And so when these people read the New Testament, for instance, when you get to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which Pastor Alyssa spoke about last Sunday, um, you read about the spiritual gifts, and you read about the supernatural gifts, like the, the message of wisdom, the message of knowledge, the discerning of spirits, and about prophecy, and about speaking in tongues, and about interpreting tongues, and, you know, and some of you may not know what that means here today. We'll hopefully make that clear before this message is over. But a lot of people today who call themselves Christians are what you would call cessationists. They believe that God has ceased to act in these ways, that God has ceased to speak in these ways. And what they will do is they will point to the sufficiency of Scripture. They will say, well, we don't need the gift of prophecy, and we don't need all those speaking gifts anymore because God has spoken His final word in the Bible. This is all we need. The Bible is it. And so we don't need to hear anything further. And there's a bit of truth in what they're saying, but there's a point here that's being missed. The fact is, God is a speaking God. And God has not become mute since the Bible was written. What if I told you that the God who spoke to Abraham, to Moses, the God who revealed himself to King David and and worked miraculously through the Apostle Paul, through Jesus himself, is still speaking and acting in the world today through spiritual gifts that he has given to each one of us, such as the gift of prophecy. Um, And it is this conviction about the reality of what we could call the supernatural, the reality of the Holy Spirit that has led me on a, a spiritual odyssey to my own spiritual renaissance over the last four or five years. Um, it began a few years ago. Some of you will remember this. We had a, a young pastor by the name of Benji Rhodes with a, a ministry in Seattle, Washington to, to people on the street and people that are not like us. 
Um, and he came and he spoke on a Sunday morning. I took a bit of a risk and, and it really resonated with us. And I really felt my heart was moved when I heard him speak about the Holy Spirit. Uh, Rob and Jen Snow in our church got to know Benji and they had a significant encounter with the Holy Spirit through his ministry. And then there was another gentleman who attended this church. He was from Iran, and, and he, was a, he was a kind of more Pentecostal in nature, if you could say. And some of you will remember him because he would be at the front, and he, would, like, he was really quite demonstrative in the way that, that he would praise God and express himself in worship. And he had an impact. And then I was introduced to Southland Church, uh, which is really a formerly Mennonite church in Steinbach, Manitoba. And this is a church, a Mennonite church, that has discovered, in a sense, the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And God has done a remarkable work through this church because of their obedience that extends around the globe today. Uh, and boy, did that ever, ever have an impact on my life. So this has brought me to a, a new openness to the ministry of the Holy Spirit and to the operation of the gifts that he has given us in the local church. Um, and it's, br it's brought me into the practices of renewal, things like my own prayer life, um, spending time in God's Word every day, journaling, uh, listening in prayer, confession of sin in my own life, and keeping it up to date. That is a work of the Holy Spirit, folks. That doesn't just happen. And it's why we have things like the prayer summit. I'm absolutely convinced that God will not do what he wants to do through this congregation unless we pray together. And so it's produced within me a holy discontent for just the way things are. And, and, and put within me a deep longing for more. And some of you know what I'm talking about. You know that deep within your heart, you've longed for more of God. To know Him personally. And not just to know about Him. It's easy to open your Bible and study it and know about God. And know much about God. But do you know Him? That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Is to help you know Him as a person, as a father, as a friend, as a savior, as Lord. And some of you have been discontent with just going to church and not being transformed. Every church service, every small group should be an experience of transformation into the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you a question. Is God more than a doctrine to you? I, I'm not asking if you know your theology, but is God more than just theology to you? Is he someone you talk to and listen to on a daily basis? Do you really know him? Uh, to many of you, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. You know, he's a doctrine. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's included in the Apostles' Creed. Do you know the Holy Spirit? Do you know that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and empowers you to live life the way it was meant to be lived and to do His will?
on earth. I know that there's some of you here today that are probably skeptical. And you know, a certain amount of skepticism is okay for a while. The Apostle Paul, before he became a Christian, was really skeptical about all this stuff. Until he had an encounter with God. Most of us are skeptical until we encounter him. Thomas, the apostle of Jesus, who wasn't there on the day of Jesus' resurrection, he was a week late, and it wasn't until he encountered the resurrected Jesus that he fell down and worshipped him. We need an encounter with God. And that's what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are all about, that we read about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So the Bible has a lot to say about God's supernatural power. Not just the Old Testament, but the New. If you read the Gospels, and if you read the book of Acts in the New Testament, you read all about God's supernatural power. How many of you have ever had an answer to prayer? Sure. Is that not an act of God's supernatural power? Does that not say that God hears prayer? And that God is interested in you? And that he's interested in his church and on what goes on on this earth. God is still alive. He is active and he's interested and he's still speaking today. Um, Last week, Pastor Alyssa spoke to us about three of the spiritual gifts. And they're the revelation gifts. But I want to talk about three speaking gifts. The gift of prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And I'm going to spend most of my time on prophecy for a reason, and you'll hear that. (laughs) Okay, so here's the thing. This is Christmas. God is giving gifts all through the year. And he gives his gifts impartially to whoever will ask. He's the gift giver. And the greatest gift that God has given us is the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus says, ask, seek, knock. If you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be open. And he said, you fathers and mothers, um, if your children ask, would you not give them good things? If your children ask for um, an egg, would you give them a snake instead that would bite them and poison them? No, you wouldn't do that. He said, in the same way, your heavenly Father wants to give good gifts to his children. And the greatest gift, he says, in that passage in Luke 11, is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because when you have the gift of the Holy Spirit, you have every spiritual gift there is. When you have the Holy Spirit, you've got everything that the Holy Spirit wants to give you that you can use to do his will. Have you received the Holy Spirit? Are you a Christian? Have you been born again? Because to be born again is to be born of the Spirit, to be born from above. Really, ask yourself that question. Um, Every one of us has been given at least one spiritual gift. And we typically possess our gifts throughout our lifetime. Have you unwrapped your spiritual gift? Um, We can manifest, I believe we can manifest any one of the spiritual gifts that God has if there's a need 
at a particular moment in time. I think God, if God needed to give you the gift of healing, but you didn't normally have the gift of healing, but God needed to use you to bring healing to somebody, I believe that the Holy Spirit can do that through you if you're open to it. But the Bible tells us that the expression of these spiritual gifts is up to the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11, it says, He distributes these gifts to each one of us as He chooses, not as we choose. We just have to remain open. But these gifts are not for us to enjoy so much as they're for others. They're for the common good, the Bible says. So let's talk about the gift of prophecy. What is the gift of prophecy? Well, the simplest way that I could put it is it's simply hearing God's voice for somebody else. Really, that's what it is, is that you've heard a message from God that is actually to be directed to somebody else in a specific situation. But then people ask, why do we need the gift of prophecy if we already have the Bible? And that's the point. You see, the Bible has, is the deposit of everything that God has ever said and done up to the end of the apostolic era when the apostle John died. You know, that was like 2,000 years ago. And we need the Bible. I love the Bible. As you know, I spend much time memorizing Scripture. I study the Bible regularly. I love this book. But I do not worship the book. I worship the one to whom the book points, which is Jesus Christ. When Jesus was opposed and persecuted by the religious leaders of his day, the scribes and Pharisees, he said this. He said, you search the scriptures, thinking that in the scriptures you'll find life. But what you don't realize, it's these very scriptures that bear witness to me. But you don't find me. How blind we can be when we read the Bible and study the Bible, but we don't realize what the Bible is really wanting to say to us. And so, teaching is the bedrock of our faith. The Bible is our rule of faith, and it helps us to discern the difference between truth and error, between right and wrong, between light and darkness. We need the Bible. And anybody who would give a prophecy that is inconsistent with the Bible, that is a false prophecy. So the Bible is our standard, and it's our rule of faith. So how does prophecy and teaching differ? Because there's a lot of teaching that goes on in the church. And thank the Lord for teachers. In fact, you know, the Apostle Paul says about James, in the book of James in the New Testament, he says, not many of you should become teachers because teachers will incur a more stricter judgment. So, you know, so he said, you know, teaching has the weight of authority. It really does. Uh, teaching is very important. And the Apostle Paul didn't want just anybody to become a Bible teacher. But everybody can prophesy. Everybody can give a word from the Lord to another believer. But that word from God needs to be tested. I had a, there was a gentleman in our church that would often come to me and he would say, Pastor, I was praying and he would say, I've got a, I've got a message for you from, I, I believe it's from God, but I want you to test it. So just to make sure. He said, but I, I believe the Lord spoke to me for you. 
And, but he said, I want you to test it. And he was right when he said that. I've had some of you, some of you who are sitting here today, send me things by text message or email and saying, I was in my Bible and I believe the Lord wanted me to give this message to you. That would be a prophetic type of message. And it doesn't mean that it was directly from the Lord. We have to test it and pray about it and make sure that we know whether it truly is from God. Um, you know, now you all know this one. So some young man comes up to a young lady and he says, you know, I was praying the other day and the Lord told me that you're supposed to marry me. You know, and, and so he's, he's trying to get away with something. And so what that young woman does is she goes and she prays and she tests it out. She goes back to him and she says, well, you know what the Lord told me? Did not tell me that I'm supposed to marry you. <laughs> so you're going to have to remain single for a little while longer. This can be abused. But just because something can be abused does not mean that we should discard it. Even the Bible can be abused. People take the Bible out of context, and they use it for all kinds of hateful and violent things in the world, but it doesn't mean we discard the Bible. We just have to be discerning, and we have to test these things. Um, and so we need the Bible, and we need teaching, and teaching is our bedrock, but we also need to know what God is saying to his church today in this moment. Um, we need prophetic messages because all of our knowledge in the Bible has to be experienced. Knowledge without experience is just dead letter. It's useless. All doctrine is meant to be experienced. What's the point of knowing Scripture if we don't encounter the one who inspired it? Because again, Scripture is to point us to the living God. God wants to lead his people, this church too, in real time, today. Prophetic messages are one of the ways that God shows us what to do in our present situation. Um, there are decisions that our church is facing right now, and I've actually journaled a lot of them. And... Um, what I do is I lay these questions up before the Lord and say, Lord, um, as a church, we're facing this situation. Uh, we're facing situations in our country right now about the, you know, thre uh, a threat to our religious freedoms and so on. Those are things that we can write down and bring before the Lord, lay it out before the Lord and ask the Lord to speak into that situation. Now, just having a Bible and knowing what God has done in the past is not going to help us alone. We need this. But we also need to know what God is saying to his church, to his people today in the present tense. That's what the gift of prophecy can do. But again, we have to test all things. Jesus said of himself, who was Jesus? He was born of the Virgin Mary, right? He was sinless. Who was he? He was the Son of God. He was the Messiah. He was the one that the Old Testament pointed to. But isn't it interesting that it actually tells us in the Bible that Jesus himself was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in the book of Acts, it said that all the things that Jesus did, all the supernatural things that he did, 
the miracles and the healing and the casting out of demons and raising the dead that he did under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, not just because he was the Son of God. And that that same anointing is for you and me. It's available to us. Jesus himself said that. Jesus said of himself, he said, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing. He said, the words that I speak are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Hmm. Now, if Jesus said that, how much more should we have that attitude? How was Jesus different than the scribes and the Pharisees when he spoke to the crowds? They said, this man is not like the scribes and Pharisees. He teaches with authority. Because Jesus spent time in the Father's presence. Jesus spent time on the mountain in prayer. And he would, you know, metaphorically speaking, come down from the mountain. And he was transformed. And he spoke with boldness and authority because he had just received instructions from the Father. Jesus spoke prophetic messages. That was what it was. See, the scribes of Pharisees would teach. and they say, it says this, it says that. And they, they would instruct and they would tell everything that had been written. But there was no authority. There was no punch. It did not go as an arrow to the heart. When Jesus spoke, it brought conviction. When the apostle Peter spoke in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, um, it tells us that people were cut to the heart. And they were convinced of their sin, and they were convinced that Jesus was the Messiah. And they said, what shall we do? And he said, repent and be baptized, and they were. That's prophecy. That's not just teaching. So when God gives you a prophetic word, and if it truly is from him, it will then have the ring of authority. But again, we do have to test it, and one of the ways we test it is by making sure that it is not a contradiction to that which has been written. So there's a, a variety of prophetic messages that God can use. I mean, sometimes God speaks to give us guidance and direction. How many of you today, you don't have to tell us what it is, but how many of you today are facing a difficult decision? Or just, yeah, it doesn't mean... Life is terrible, but facing a difficult decision? Okay. Nobody. All right. <laughs> I need to come to you for counseling. Okay. Um, how do you do it? Anyway, um, I often face difficult decisions. And I can tell you right now, I know that I need to hear a word from the Lord. But sometimes what happens is if our church board or our pastoral team is facing a difficult decision, one of us might have a word from the Lord for the others to say, I just really believe that this is the way God is pointing us. And I'd like all of you to pray along with me and test this and just see. Why don't we do that? So at our board meetings, um, David Falk and Del Rose Laxton, uh, they're on our board, and they, they helped us at the last board meeting. We started something new. We're starting every board meeting now with a half an hour of prayer at least. 
at least. And this isn't just one of those quick little perfunctory prayers at the beginning and saying, oh, Lord, bless this meeting, amen. You know, this is something where we just, we pray deeply and we, we listen and we can share. And we say, Lord, we really, really need to hear from you. And God might give somebody a word. Sometimes it's just a word of encouragement. Maybe you know somebody who's just a little down in the dumps. They're discouraged. And maybe the Lord will give you something, a verse out of the Bible that you go, you know, this is, this is for John right here. And I think he needs this. And you know what? Would you obediently then send that with humility and say, you know what? The Lord gave this to me, and, and I thought it was for you. Uh, you know, and then the person sometimes gets back, and they go, oh, you don't know how much I needed to hear that today. And then that's kind of like a confirmation, and you go, wow, I, I'm really glad I sent that. And so they received it as a word from God. Sometimes it's a word of comfort. So you can read all the verses about comfort in the Bible, like in the Psalms, God is close to the brokenhearted, you know, and all that. And you can read Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down, and you know, and I will, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And you can read that and go, oh, that's nice. But here's what happens. What if the Lord just seizes your attention and grabs your heart with that passage for the first time, and it's, it's, you've never read it that way before. It's never hit you right between the eyes, right at the center of your heart the way it has now. And it goes down deep, and you go, oh, he's my shepherd. When I feel lost and helpless, he's there. And then maybe the Lord says, I want so-and-so to hear this word. I want you to share with them what the Lord said to you because they need to hear it too. That's prophecy. It's a message God's given you for somebody else. It might be exhorting someone, like maybe encouraging them to, to step up. You know, it might be like a challenge. It could be a word of rebuke. It could be John the Baptist. You know why he lost his head? I mean, literally. Yeah, he did. He lost his head. He was beheaded by King Herod because he went to Herod's palace and he was speaking truth to power and, and he would say, you're living in sin, you're living with your brother's wife and sleeping with her, and you should not be doing that. And you know what? Some people didn't like it and they said, off with his head. But that, that's a prophetic message when someone speaks truth to power. Sometimes it's a warning of what is to come if we do not repent. And I can tell you that God has made very, very clear to me that if his church does not repent, that he will remove our candlestick, as the Bible says. He, he will. God's not going to put up with disobedience and hardness of heart forever. And, and, and so God has us here for a reason. So sometimes a prophetic word might come through what Alyssa talked about last week, and it could be a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. Do you know what a word of knowledge is? You know, some people think, so people that are, don't like the supernatural kind of said the word of knowledge is just basically understanding what the Bible says. Oh, okay. But it's deeper than that. So Jesus meets this, Samaritan, this woman from Samaria at a water well. And he was thirsty. And he sees her drawing water, and he begins a conversation with her. And as he's talking with her, 
he identifies something about her that he could never have known. He said, you've had five husbands. And she goes back to the townspeople. She said, this man told me everything I'd ever done. How did he know? He had a divine knowledge that could only have been revealed to him by the Father in heaven. Through the Holy Spirit. And that, that's what we would call a word of knowledge. Just where you know something about someone or a situation that is revealed to you directly by God. Now, that has been abused a lot. I've seen television preachers, you know, where they do that and they, they say, you know, things like, somebody in here, you've got a lump behind your ear and your word, you know, and maybe it was a setup. But just because there's counterfeits and there's charlatans out there does not mean that we should disregard when God might reveal something in the Spirit that could not have otherwise been known. Um, sometimes there's words of wisdom. And a, a word of wisdom is, you know, maybe where there's, you know, God gives uh, maybe an understanding of a situation or a problem, and wisdom is just really like the solution to that problem. Um, one day, when I was beginning my spiritual renaissance, a few years ago, I remember Rob Snow and I, I didn't ask Rob's permission to, to share this, but it's, it's good. Anyway, um, anyway, we went for a walk in Glenmore Park, and it was freezing cold. Like, we had, like I had my, I don't know about Rob, I had my toque and scarf, and I was all bundled up and had my gloves, and, and we were walking, and it was quite cold out there. And I kind of re remember what month it was. And we were talking about what God was doing. And we were saying, you know, God wants to do a new thing. He wants to bring revival, renewal to his church. And, and Rob was way out ahead of me in the spiritual realm. And I knew it, and I think he knew it. And at one point as we're walking, and I don't think he remembers this clearly, but I remember him, we were walking along like this, and he grabbed my arm, and he put his hand on my chest, and he looked at me, and he said, Brian, you need to lead this. You need to get out in front of it. I received that as a prophetic word. I really did. I, because it just went like an arrow into my heart, and I've told this story a few times, which tells you that it really meant something to me. And I needed to hear it, because what was happening was I was afraid. I was afraid of what God might do. And I was afraid of where that could take us. And I didn't have the courage. I didn't have the boldness. With my mind, I was sort of giving affirmation to saying, I believe God really wants to do a new thing. I believe that God wants to bring renewal. And I believe that God wants to, uh, the, he wants the Holy Spirit to be manifested in our gatherings and lives to be transformed. And I believe that God wants to uh, just have us flourish with the spiritual gifts at our church so the body of Christ can function the way it's supposed to. But I was nervous about it, and I needed that word. And I believe that was like a word of wisdom from him that was prophetic to me. Should we be afraid to say such things to each other? Really? Because what we do so often and what I do is I go, well, who am I to go talk to so-and-so about that? But the Lord gives me these messages all the time for people and situations in this church. And I know that even when I'm really nervous about it, I go in the power of the Lord. And I go having prayed. And I say, Lord, you're going to have to help me with this one. Because i got to say some things that are hard to say to so-and-so. 
And I pray that it will be received in the way that it was intended to be given. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will be at work in that person's heart and my heart so I can deliver the message in the way that you want it delivered and they will receive it in the way that you want them to receive it. So, oh, okay, gift of tongues. So what is the gift of tongues? I'm going to end with this and I'm going to do this quickly. There's two ways that we understand the gift of tongues. One is a supernatural ability to speak a language that you've never learned. On the day of Pentecost... It tells us that the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples. And it said they began to speak in other languages, other vernaculars of all the people that had gathered there. What had happened on the Feast of Pentecost, people came from far and wide to this feast. But they all spoke different dialects. And so God wanted the gospel, the good news, to go out to them so they could all hear it in their own languages. So he gave supernatural ability to the apostles to speak in the dialects. This is a miracle. In the dialects of those people. They had never learned those languages. It would be as if right now I began to speak fluent Spanish. Wouldn't that be something? Or the newer language of the Sudanese. You know. And that would be one understanding of the gift of tongues. And it doesn't require an interpreter because they just know how to speak the language directly. Another way that we understand the gift of tongues is that it's a prayer language. It's a language of prayer that might be a, an earthly language or it could be a heavenly language. Maybe some angelic, some unearthly language. And it's a way that we basically pray, um, but it may not be understood by the people around you. It's just between you and God. And 1 Corinthians chapter 14 talks about this. The problem with the gift of tongues in the Corinthian church, in the church in Corinth, was that it did begin to cause division because people were speaking in tongues in the public gathering. Somebody would stand up and they would start to speak in a tongue, whether they were praying in tongues or whether they were just speaking in their own language. The other person didn't understand what they were saying. And so the Apostle Paul said, this is a problem. You're, you're making the other person feel like a foreigner. And you're, you're marginalizing them. So I go to the, uh, you know, it's, it's really interesting. When I go to the gym, and we're in the locker room, so um, I, I am a minority. When I, I, I seriously am. And I'm okay with that. I'm fine. You know, we're all God's people. But I go in the gym, and the people around me are speaking some African language, they're speaking an Asian language, they're speaking Spanish, they're speaking all these other languages. I don't understand them, really. Some of them are speaking German or Dutch. You know, I could tell because I know a little bit about that. And it does make me feel like I'm not included. I don't get offended by it, but I do feel like when they're doing that, I feel excluded. And he's saying, when you use the gift of tongues, make sure that it's a unifying gift, not one that causes division or makes people feel like they don't belong. And that's why the Apostle Paul put the love chapter right after 1 Corinthians 12, where he, he talks about all the gifts, including tongues. And he says, Make sure everything is done in a spirit of love. Love. Because love is kind. You know, and love wants to edify, build up the other person. 
And so that's why in 1 Corinthians 14, this, I'm not going to get it done. Here, just to show you, here it is. 1 Corinthians 14, right here. Uh, coming up on the screen. Here it is. There we go. Where he says, let love be your highest goal. Well, isn't that great? But he said, you should also desire the special abilities that the Spirit gives, the gift, especially the gift of prophecy. I don't think I need to convince you any further do I, why the gift of prophecy is important. He said, but if you speak in tongues, that might strengthen you personally, but the one who speaks in prophecy strengthens the whole church. He said, I'd like all of you to speak in tongues, but I want you to prophesy. So what he's saying here, let's go to the next slide. Let's go to the next slide. He said, and it's the same for you, for you speak to people in words. When you speak in tongues, you're speaking to people in words they don't understand. How will they know what you're saying? You'll simply be talking into empty space. And so all he's saying here is, here's what love compels us to do. If you speak, he says, in a language, a prayer language or just some human language, and the people around you don't know, he said, either you should interpret it or somebody else needs to interpret it so that everyone can be edified and everyone can be encouraged and everyone can be strengthened. And here's the point. We'll go to the last, second last slide there, Aaron. Tongues, the gift of tongues plus the interpretation equals prophecy. That's what it is. He's saying, now if you just pray on your own in, in tongues, that's fine. You don't have to interpret and it's not prophetic. But if you do it in a public setting or in a group setting, he said, make sure there's an interpretation. Then it becomes a prophetic message and it encourages and strengthens those around you. So let me just end with this. Here's the, the takeaway. Um, people today in our world are hungry for the supernatural. Now, there's a problem with that. And the problem is people look for it in all the wrong places. And we should not be just looking for an experience. We need to let people know that what you, don't, you don't need an experience. What you need is a person. You need an encounter with the living God. We need to point people to Christ. Because when people have an encounter with him, their lives are transformed. And God uses the speaking gifts for us to proclaim that message. The gift of prophecy can be used when you're witnessing to an unbeliever, to someone who doesn't believe in your God. He can use you. And you know what? If you've ever led someone to, to faith in Jesus Christ, and that person goes, oh, what do I do? You say, well, let's, let's, let's say this prayer together. Would you want to invite Jesus into your life? Yeah. Okay. Are you willing to follow him and make him Lord of your life? Do you believe he died for your sins and rose? Oh, I do believe it. I do believe it. Where do I sign up? You've spoken prophetically. See, that, that's just not teaching. It's gone to their heart. And they're, they're, they're convicted, and they, they can hardly wait to take the next step. We need that in the church. And I, that's why I spend time with the Lord. 
every day. If Jesus needed that, boy, this guy really needs that. So do you. And so, I would just like to ask you to open your heart to the Holy Spirit because he bears witness to Christ. He does. Would you pray with me? And as our heads are bowed, I'm going to invite the worship team to come and they'll do one last song and we have our prayer team that is here and they're over to my left and they'll be available to pray with anyone. If you just want to come and pray on your own, the altar to the right is available. But I want to ask you just a few questions. Are you satisfied with your relationship with God exactly where it is now? And if not, would you say, Lord, I want to grow deeper with you. I want to hear your voice speaking to me. I want to open my Bible and the words can begin to leap off the page into my heart and and change me. I'm tired of stale, sterile religion that doesn't change anything. I want to be new again. Revive me. Renew me. Reveal yourself to me. Holy Spirit, I welcome you into my life. Lord Jesus, save me. Heal me. Speak to me. Give me ears to hear your words, your message. And give me the boldness and the obedience to bring those messages to those around me when you ask me to do so. And I'm just going to ask before we close, if you said that prayer or something like that, I'm just going to ask if you just slip your hand up just real quickly and let me know, Pastor, I prayed that. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Father, I pray for each one of those, both those who raised their hands and those who didn't. Lord, some of those who didn't may already feel like they're on this journey, and that's wonderful. Those who raised their hands, Lord, like me, they're saying, I think there's a deeper work going on here. And I want you to speak to me so I can speak to your church and to your world. Lord, may today be a new beginning for them. And for those, Lord, who are still feeling stuck, just kind of not ready, Lord, that was me. And so, Lord, I just pray that you be with them and just pour grace upon them. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father for being with us today. In Jesus' name, amen.